0: Welcome to the Soar Community Network Podcast with your host, Mali Ponpadit. Here, inside our community, we help each other see, own, articulate and release our unique message and mission into the world. Uncover your gifts and talents, release your passions, own your purpose and let's soar together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SOAR Community Network podcast. I am your host Mali Pandith, and today we have Peter Mihit with us today. Peter is an entrepreneur, speaker, the owner of Custom Business Planning and Solutions, and the author of Killer Business Plan. Prior to becoming his own boss, he had a successful career in information technology and business consulting for large companies. Peter has worked across many industries worldwide as a professional consultant. He has also been intimately involved in the startup of four different companies either as a member of the launch team or as owner and team leader. He has held positions of trust from senior manager to vice president and has acquired a broad base of experience as a result. At Custom Business Planning and Solutions, they have written over six hundred business plans that have been used to secure over three hundred million in funding from banks, investors, and institutions. Uh, they use a workshop approach that challenges the entrepreneurs so they can successfully defend their idea while providing them deep insights both in their business model and potential funding approaches. Thank you, thank you so much for being with us, Peter.
1: Wow. That's a really nice uh, send-up. I appreciate it.
0: (laughs) No, thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing and helping all these entrepreneurs and business owners really, like we like to say, soar in the market and thrive in their lives. So um, welcome to our podcast. And Thank you. Again, you're calling from California, and we were just talking about how the world is so small these days that we can be in so many different places with technology and and mediums like this. So.
1: it's unbelievable and it's wonderful and at the same time, when you want to get away from it, it's not so cool. So I it has it's, it has both sides of it.
0: I know. Well, you're here with us today and I would love for um you to share with our audience, you know, we talk a lot about uh, passion and purpose and how do you live your vision and mission for life and align that with your business here on the podcast. So how have you been able to do that and what was the... Um, I guess the inspiration or the catalyst that made you decide to launch your own business helping others?
1: Well, I traveled all over the world for Computer Sciences Corporation doing uh, high value outsourcing deals and also as a troubleshooter. So those of your audience who saw that movie, Cast Away with Tom Hanks, that was my job. I would go fix stuff that was broken. And so I got to know how to analyze businesses really fast and how to understand what made them tick. And I, I really understand and what your listeners need to understand is there's only really one thing a business does. It's a machine that takes your service and your product and delivers it to the customer and gets you paid. It's just – it's that basic, but you got to pay attention to it. And so I had done that for about seven years. I was on the road probably the majority of the time, probably 12 to 15 days a month. And my wife told me on a Sunday when I got a call that they said, you need to be at the airport in three hours to fly to Cincinnati. She said, I want you to quit your job. She goes, you're gone too much, and I love you, and we'll figure out what we're going to do. Quit your job. And it, I was sitting in Mimi's restaurant, and I cried like a baby because I couldn't believe that somebody loved me enough to say, they, that they would say, quit your six-figure job, and let's figure out how to make a life without working for a corporation. Mm. And that's what we did. She was a consultant. She, she quit her practice. I quit my job. And the first year, we didn't have a single client. We didn't know what we were doing, <laughs> didn't have a plan. We were living on love. And I'll tell you what. Um somebody came to me because the original plan was and we'll get into this more in a minute but the original plan was like to to help pe- to help people who were outsourcing do the outsourcing so they 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 didn't get ripped off and I realized that I didn't have a deep enough Rolodex to get to the CEOs that I needed to get to to be successful. So we pivoted and started writing business plans for banks and it was during the time period that the uh, George Bush's SBA was Really pushing hard for Americans to get into business and it was a really great time actually a lot of people got into business And so for us we had relationships with banks and with different investors and venture capitalists And we got a lot of companies funded and got a lot of companies started all that changed with the crash but I think the the thing that was the trigger was the fact that I loved my wife and I wanted to be with her and she loved me enough to say I don't care how bad it gets. I'd rather have you home now the passion part, that's an entirely different discussion. That is more about you've got to pick something that you really love doing or you're going to not be able to sustain it. And so when, when people talk like Shark Tank and they go, well, where's your passion for this and how, why do you feel it? it it's, it's kind of got to be down in your DNA. The way I'd like to say it is it's got to be something that you would do even if nobody paid you for it. So if you've got something in your life right now that you love doing and you're not getting paid for it, stop doing it part-time and figure out how to get paid for it because that's where your heart really is. And if you can be where your heart really is, then you're going to have happiness. And then all the other stuff, not happiness, but contentness, all the other stuff, all the money and all that other stuff, that'll follow. But if you go where your integrity and your natural path is, where you really want to be, then, then it doesn't matter whether the money comes or not because you're going to be fulfilled. And we're like the – there's a movie called Happy, and I would tell everybody they need to watch this movie. And it talks about how the United States is like the 75th country in terms of people being satisfied with their lives and happy. And you know the places where they're happier? Places like Mexico. In Malaysia, and they show these people who live beside a a railroad track, and they have to move their food off the railroad track for the trains to pass. And they're happy. They love their lives. They love each other. They're having a great time. And a little fortune comes into the camp and they all share it among each other and they're just happy. And then I live in Orange County, California, where I see a Tesla every other minute at a stoplight and Lamborghinis and Ferraris. And these people have got faces like they've all just gotten a cancer diagnosis. What's wrong with our lives? What's wrong with our lives is we're not doing our highest purpose. We're not doing what we were put here for. Everybody's got a calling, and our calling is to get as many people into small business as we can because we believe it's a revolutionary act. It will save America. The more small businesses there are, the stronger this country is, and so that's why we do what we do.
0: Well, that was a a mouthful. (laughs) <laughs> that was a lot to say about Was that happiness. too much of an Should
1: I make no, them short? No, no,
0: that was so great. That said a lot about your happiness factor. And, you know, you you also said something really powerful earlier. You said for a whole year you were living off of love. And, you know, it's really interesting because even if you're not in a relationship or have a business with your spouse, like I have my business with my spouse, very similar. Uh, a couple years ago, I looked at him and he was not 100% happy. He was making all this money because he was an IT department head and you can relate to him and he can relate to you and uh, I just said you know we have so much potential helping these small rapidly growing businesses soar and really take their mission their message to market helping them live their lives so they can help other people live their lives very similar in tone and when he decided to come on board that first year um, it was really challenging Right. And this Mm -hmm. is important Mm -hmm. for business ownership. It was really challenging because number one, whether it's a husband and wife team or not, you have a partner in the business. You have another uh, entity, you have another personality, you have another uh, set of brains and heart and mind, and you've got to be able to learn how to effectively communicate and problem solve together. (laughs)
1: <laughs> another, the most important thing is, and you're nailing it, you have another set of opinions. Mm-hmm. And you have to deal with those opinions. And, you know, it's it's not like when you get into business, it's not like going to a job where you go home at the end at 5 o'clock and you come back and the job's going to be there tomorrow. It's like if you make three or four wrong decisions, you you're done, right? And so – they're going to have a strong opinion you're going to have a strong opinion the thing that we t- we actually teach a class about how to work with people you love it's I literally teach this class and and the thing that we say is there's two words that you have to get banned from your vocabulary forever and one is you always and you never always <laughs> and never get rid of them that's that's get rid of those rules they're they're the most destructive words ever and then the other thing is if something's bothering you, it has it has a it has like a one day rule. It's like if you don't tell me at the time it's bothering you, you lose the right to tell me it's bothering you forever. Because the and this breaks up marriages. This is beyond business. This breaks up relationships where somebody has something on their mind about somebody, they don't say anything about it, and it bothers them and bothers them and bothers them, and then it becomes a point of view. And then all of a sudden, that person, that's who they are. And they never even took the the, the trouble to actually tell the other person what was bothering them. The other person might have just gone, Oh my God, I'm really sorry, I won't do that and fix it for them. But instead, the next thing you know, though, it's it's the the old sob about about, oh, you squeezed the toothpaste in the middle. That's why I divorced you. That's It's never that. It's always all the unspoken stuff. And this can happen with husbands and wives in business. It can happen with, high, with college friends that get into business. It can happen with co-founders that meet each other at a code jam. It doesn't really matter. You've got to be completely transparent and open and honest, especially about your emotions, because it's the emotional stuff. I'm telling you, I have I, something I say to all my clients. You do not know who people are until money is on the table. And when money is on the table is when you learn who people really are. And it's so you need to be investing the entire time along the journey, listening more than talking, seeing more than thinking about what these people are doing and who they are so you really, really get to know them. So when the chips are down, you can count on them. Mm. And so, yeah, it's, and, and husbands and wives are a special challenge. I mean, I sit across the partner's desk for my wife all day long. <laughs> And, and it's OK. I love it. It's, it's fine for me. And people go, how can you do that? And I go, it's fine. I love it. But it's not for everybody. Maybe a uh, husband and wife need to have two offices on the other end of the building. It doesn't mean they don't love each other. And so you've got to find all the comfort zones and work all those things out and not ignore those parts of it and just to fo- focus exclusively on the business.
0: Yes, yeah, you brought,
1: I, That's a really good point you brought up.
0: I agree. I, I love working with my husband. I mean, it's incredible. We are wired differently, and it's perfect because we have different perspectives that we can share. And, you know, we're learning still how to communicate and share ideas because our brains process so differently. He's highly analytical, and I'm very much – uh, of a visionary in terms of how I see the big picture. So it's really again, the dynamics has to be worked out and it's all about listening and and talking and speaking and sharing your emotions. So thank you for that. Now.
1: Well you, you know what? before you go and I also want to say what, well, we're in exactly the same position. I'm a very empathy is my superpower. I'm really good at visualizing stuff. My wife is Virgo, super detail-oriented, and so we're exactly the same. I am the chick in the relationship, and she's the badass guy in the relationship.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Well, you're doing some incredible things together, so that's really all that matters because you're changing lives. So 600 business plans, more than that, actually. You know, when you look at the business plans that you've written, and they've been from all kinds of industries and for different purposes around, especially around funding and helping them expand and, and launch and and like what we like to say, soar. Um, mm-hmm. What have you found to be consistent when you're working with the client and basically saying to them? What is your intention or goal for this business, right? Because you have different types of goals for your business? Do you want to sell it at some point? Is this a lifestyle business? Is this something that you want is this a legacy based business? um you know all these different goals that need to be put on paper and then very thought out so that other people around you coworkers, partners, even family members, understand where you're taking this business. What have you found over and over again when you've sat down with a client and asked them these types of questions like what's your goal for the business? What's the immediate reaction and then after working with you, how has that been able to um change or transform their thinking?
1: Well, I can tell you almost to a person that the universal reaction is I want to make a boatload of money and sit on top of it and, and just thumb my thumb my thumb my uh, nose at the world. That's <laughs> people no literally people always focus on on the financial reward of it which is money is fuel it's not it's not the end it's not what you should be looking for when you're trying to do a business so the process that we use and we've come to this process over years of working with thousands of people is we've got to set i mean the old folks used to say Start with the end in mind, right? Where do you want to end up? What's the destination? Okay, so if you're in a lifestyle business, how much money does the business have to make to support you and the lifestyle that you want? If you're starting a business that you want to really break through and have an IPO with, okay, what does that business look like? Because if you can set that destination and you can see it clearly in your mind, then it's a very simple matter of walking backwards in time and setting the milestones you've got to set to reach that destination. But most people, when they start businesses, they don't think about where they want to be. It's, the best analogy I can give you is there are weddings. And there are marriages, OK? And a lot of people spend lots and lots of time on their wedding day, weeks and weeks and sometimes months and sometimes years. And they throw huge amounts of treasure at it, OK? And then on the other side, they didn't spend that same amount of effort thinking about what's their marriage marriage life, life going to be like? And what goals do we have for our marriage? Do we want, want children? Do we want to make a lot of money? Or do we want to have a lot of experiences? Everybody's different. And the two partners are different. And so setting that destination of where I want to be five years out, three years out, no less than three years out. Where do I want to be in three years? What do I want to have happening in three years? The hardest question that we were ever asked as kids that we all hated when grown-ups, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's the worst possible question. You have no clue because you think about it and it's just this void of, oh, what do I want? Because I can be anything. You've got to think about it because you're not, everybody's going to buy your service. Not everybody is your customer. Not everything you're going to try is going to work. So you've got to look at that destination and say, this is what I want in broad terms, what I want to have happen. And then sit. We work with our clients, literally take them through visualization, guided visualization, visualize it, put more detail on it and more detail on it. When Starbucks opened, they didn't have music because they didn't want to interrupt the sound of the baristas working. They didn't have food products because they didn't want anything to interfere with the smell of the coffee. I'd say that's pretty well thought out. Now, they've they've changed it now and they've grown it, but they had a clear vision of what they wanted that coffee shop to look like. And every client that we've ever worked with that has done the work, to visualize it, has succeeded way beyond what they projected they would do, way beyond. And the ones that didn't, some of them made it, some of them didn't.
0: Well, that's brilliant. It's brilliant because I think you're right. I mean, if you know what you want and you visualize it and then you had the, you put the effort into writing it out so that it really becomes a, a, a reality, you know? Uh, it's almost like in the flesh kind of thing, right? It's real. It's, in your,
1: it's <laughs> in your DNA. And the thing about it is because you took the time to dream about it, imagine about, imagine about it, writing it down then is just, all you're doing is you're just pouring out the contents of your head. It's not hard to do at all. Right. It's hard to do if you don't think it through. I mean, it's like Thomas Edison, when he was trying to solve a problem, would put a key in his hand and he would lay down on a bench and he would take a nap. And when he... Finally fell asleep, got to the edge of sleep, his hand would relax and the key would hit the floor and he would sit up and he would write whatever was on his mind on a piece – on a pad of paper. Well, guess what? Nine times out of ten, it was the solution to the problem that he was thinking about and he went to sleep. <laughs> and the problem is you need to h- harness your unconscious mind. So when people say passion, people mistake that with excitement. Passion is not excitement. Passion is is perseverance. Passion is – being able to deal with upset and setbacks and not getting what you want. Passion is seeing the lesson in the defeats. That's what passion is. And so passion above and beyond everything is being able to clearly see where it is you want to go. As a matter of fact, if you think back to the Bible, when they talk about passions, passions were the things that the, that the, the saints saw or lived it, you know, it wasn't how they felt. It was what they did. And that's what I think passion is. And that's what I think that that this visualization process, what we do and what we tell our clients to do, that builds passion more than anything. Because if you can, if you sit in a chair and you try to imagine yourself opening a coffee shop and you can't make yourself do that for 15 minutes, then you're not passionate about it. You need to move on to something else.
0: Wow, powerful, powerful. Well, let me ask you this then. What do funders care about? I mean, this is so important for our business owners out there. What do funders care about? You know, when a lot of businesses start, they are looking for capital, they're looking for some additional support financially. And when they put down on paper what their vision for the business is, they have to also consider the financial part of it, right? So when you're writing these business plans, what are some of the key components that you absolutely must include, encourage businesses to include in their plan so that um, it's more attractive to these investors and banks?
1: Yeah, writing a business plan for funding is probably the easiest plan you're going to write because the parameters are really, really simple. And I'm going to take you through it by classes of funders. So let's start with banks, okay? Most people starting businesses are going to go get an SBA, 7A, or a 504 loan, right? 7A is for working capital, 504 is if you're buying property. Mm -hmm. Okay, the number one thing that SBA requires is that people have experience in the business that they're getting the loan for. So if you want to open up, a uh, auto repair shop, and you've been an IT professional, you're not going to get an SBA loan. Just understand that you're not going to get a loan for a business that you don't have any experience in. That's the number one driver. The driver, okay, and then every, every, you need to understand that the SBA guarantees loans. They don't make loans. So now you have to qualify under the bank's rules. And the bank is going to want to see that you can repay the loan, that the loan is not more than... Uh, anywhere between depending on the bank 15 and 17% to 20 25 27% of your income so you've got to be able to demonstrate that after you've paid for everything that you have enough money to live on and you have enough money to pay the loan okay so you've got to make those numbers work and then you also need in this day and age I'm sorry to say it you're going to need collateral so if you're up over – like, for example, there is a program that's credit scored with the SBA, and I don't know the number off the top of my head because it doesn't help me because people don't need business plans for it. I think it's up to 100000 and maybe up to 200000 that they'll just go straight off your credit score. So if you've got a good idea and you know what you're doing and you can prove that you've been in the business – and your credit score is good, your credit's good, you can sign on a piece of paper and they'll give you $100,000 and you can start your business. But if you're above about $200,000, then you're going to need a business plan and you're going to have to have collateral. So now what is that? Equity in a house, a stock portfolio. I've seen them lean against boats. I know people, they've they've got their things funded by putting a lien against their airplane. But you've got to have some kind of asset that will be anywhere between 70 cents to a dollar and a quarter of every dollar that you borrow. That's for SBA. Okay, so questions about that?
0: Wow. That's really cool. I mean, that's really cool because I know that when you're researching and you're going through websites like the SBA, it's nothing like talking to an expert who's written so many plans and understands the nuances um, and can simplify it. Because I well, think what's, you know, business owners have 10,000 things they have to think about even before launch.
1: Yeah. 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 And, and good luck figuring out by reading the SBA site. I <laughs> wish everybody l- luck with that. Okay. Okay. So then the second thing is getting a commercial loan from a bank, not an SBA loan. You have to have been in business already for two years minimum. And you have had to have made money at least one of those two years. They'll, they'll take you losing money one of the two years, preferably the first year, not the second year. But you've got to have a really good plan of how you're going to take that money and grow your revenue so that you can pay it back. I mean, think about banks. Banks want slow, boring, predictable payments made on time. So everything that you can do that shows, you, shows them that you're going to do that will help them. Now, there's investors. There's really basically three kinds of investors. There's friends and family, which are people you know. There are angel investors who only invest in startups. And then there's institutional investors. So venture capital companies, private equity companies, those kind of people. Okay, so now for friends and family, my num I say don't. (laughs) Don't go to friends (laughs) and family because imagine being at a Fourth of July barbecue standing with people whose money you've lost. Okay. But if you are going to do it. You have a moral obligation to plan this business down to the nth degree, more than you do with a bank, more than you do with an investor, because these are people who are going to invest you because they love you and they trust you. So you need to make sure you have a moral obligation to not lose their money. Okay. So... The requirements there is – there are no requirements. You could walk up – if they've got the money and they trust you, you could say, give me $200,000 and they'll do it. And I've seen clients have come in here with broken businesses that we've had to try to fix because they got raised $500,000 from their family and started something without understanding what they were doing. So if you've got relatives that have a lot of money, that's a very dangerous place. You really need to get, get yourself lined up. If you need professional help, get it. Okay, so that's done. Investors, angel investors, angel investors only want to get involved in things that are going to get big, all right? They're they're looking for the next Uber. They're looking for the next Google. They're looking for the next Airbnb. They're looking for the next thing that they can get in, put – $500,000, Five hundred thousand, a million dollars, a million and a half dollars in. It grows up big enough that a venture company comes in and buys them out and pays them six million dollars to go away. And then they take their money and they put it in the next startup. And that's how angel investing works. So if you're starting a lifestyle business, you're starting uh you're starting a, uh, animal wellness clinic or a doggy daycare or or a uh, doctor's practice. They're they're not going to invest in you. They're just not going to do it. Okay. The only caveat to that the only the only thing that for some reason private investors will get into are high end restaurants because it they want to be able to tell their friends oh yeah you know that that five star restaurant that's getting all those great reviews oh yeah i own 20% of it that's the only thing that investors will invest in that is not a thing that is going to get big and then venture capital you're talking about raises that are starting at 6 million and above so if you've got an idea that's like three $3 million, you're kind of in a death zone because and angel investors will invest up to about a $1 million. And venture capital, they don't want to get involved until it's like $6 million because they want to make their fee, right? Because mm-hmm. they're going to make a $1 million in fees, right? So it's like… They don't want to get involved because it's too too little, and the angel doesn't want to get involved because it's too big. So my advice to people, if they really have a technology thing, play or something where they want to grow it out like that, is to get it going and get it making some kind of money so that they can get a bunch of angels to get in and maybe get them to the $2 million they need. And then the venture company can come in once they get some success and some revenue and take them up. But investors – Angel investors are looking for three to six times their return. Um, Venture companies are looking anywhere from 10 times up. Now, if you talk to people, they'll say, oh, no, 30 times and 40 times. No, that's not the real world. If they get – if a venture company gets a 10-time return, they're popping champagne. (laughs) So – so those are kind of all the different funding, things, but the main thing that these funders are looking for is that you have a command of building the machine of the business. How is this thing going to find customers? How is it going to deliver the product? Methods, right? So you've visualized, you've got your idea, you've visualized it, you've thought about it, you've asked your questions, you've taken actions to learn about it. Now you've created methods. How does this thing get done? And too many people have an idea, they visualize a little bit and they go right straight to the investor and they want to ask the investor to help them figure it out. The investor's not going to do this. I got a really good story for that. When we first started our business, we got an audience with the family office for the Disney family. Mm -hmm. The Disney family invests like two or three billion dollars a year. Okay. We got a 90 minute meeting with the person who runs the Disney family office. Okay. And I went in, and I said, look at all this great stuff I know how to do, and look how cool I am, and I'm really groovy, and, and you should work with me. <laughs> and the guy and we had a great rapport. And the guy across the desk is going, yeah, that'd be great, but you know, I don't, how would we do it, 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 it? Okay, and then we leave. I call him a couple months later to try to keep the thing warm. New guy's in, doesn't care about me. Done. Lost the opportunity. Now, how different would it have been if I would have walked in and said, The biggest problem with family offices is they get too many opportunities to review. And so because there are so many opportunities for them to review, they just throw some away just based on how they look or the cover or whatever. What if all those opportunities could come to a clearinghouse where they could be reviewed, scored, and then then the top three or four sent up to you every month for you to really look at? Would that be something that you guys would be interested in? Of course it would because the reason I know that is I do it for a family office in New York. And so had I done that, I could have been working for the freaking Disney family office. And this is what I'm saying to people. You can't ask people for help if you don't tell them what it is you need them to help you with. So if you haven't thought it out and done a plan and got your methods together, forget talking to an investor or bank. Nobody's going to do anything with you because people follow people who know where they're going. They invest in people who know what they're doing.
0: Wow, well, that was this is perfect for my next question. Because you work with thousands of visionaries and 600 plus business plans, what is the key from personal experience on the ground? What is the key to a business being successful? Because you touched upon some key components, but what does it take? Because out of all those business plans, some of them you said don't make it. Some of them kind of like plateau after a while, and others really take off. For those that take off, what are key components that we must consider?
1: There's only one component. Who's the customer? Who's the customer? What do they want? What makes them happy? Why Why? Why do they love you? That's the only one. If you figure that one out, everything else, everything else, it, it doesn't magically come together, but you will be – you will know what to do. If you know who your customer is, if you know your customer likes to go mudding in trucks, okay, you're not going to be selling yourself to somebody who wants to stay at the Ritz-Carlton, okay? The problem that I have with, with clients all the time and, and when I go speaking is I ask the question, who's your customer? And people always say the same thing. Anybody can use my product. Everyone can use my product. no. If you're marketing to everyone or anyone, you're marketing to no one. Mm -hmm. If you think about your product as being a note on a piano, when you hit that note, that's your perfect customer. You need to find out what that note is and start broadcasting on that note now. There are harmonics of that note, right? Every octave, every third, every fifth. You go after every octave. You start hitting those notes and marketing to those customers. Then you start marketing. You don't go to the sharps and the flats and the stuff that's going to make a chord that doesn't work because those people don't want to hear your message. They don't care about you. They're never going to care about you. So the number one thing is knowing your customer and understand something about human beings. Okay, we're all forgiven and we're all lovable and we're all worthy, but we're fickle. Human beings are fickle, and they will change their minds and their hearts on a dime. And you need to understand and be involved enough in your business and understand your customers. And, and here's the thing. I, I really want to tell your audience, and they're not going to like this. You don't get to pick who your customers <laughs> are. And so you have to love them, even though they come through the door and you go, wow, I never imagined that I'd be working with this guy. or this one, right? (laughs) And I never realized, and and it turns out that I have a, I have, because I'm empathetic, I can work with really difficult clients and get them really great results and open them up. Well, guess what? Because of that, I get a lot of really difficult clients. Mm. And, and so you have to understand who the customer is, and then you have to Make them be able to see themselves in whatever it is that you're offering, whatever service, whatever product they need to be able to see themselves clearly. And when they see themselves in your marketing, they will come to you. Then you need to mirror them and serve them so they want to keep coming back. That's all there is to it. Everything else is a machine to support that activity, the customer loving you and you loving the customer back and you giving them so much tasty goodness that they don't go anywhere else.
0: Well, Peter, I think we can talk for another two hours on so many different topics related to business ownership and launching, growing, sustaining, expanding businesses. What I'd like to do, though, is invite our audience to reach out to you and learn more about your programs, learn more about what your offerings are. Can you let us know what's the best approach and how we can um, send them over to you?
1: That's really wonderful, and I really appreciate it. Our website is at www custom the word customs c u s t o m bps boypaulsam.com uh, Com. they can also call us at 800 741 8444 that's a uh, uh, toll free or 949 336 8284 and i want to make a i want to do something for your show i wanna do something because this has been mali it's been really great um yeah. i i'd like to offer an uh, electronic copy of our book, Killer Business Plan, for free, to any of your listeners who sends, uh, who sends either comes to our website and sends a request through our contact form saying, uh, "I heard you on Molly's show. Please send me the send me the book," or they can uh, s- send me an email at p.m.e.h.i.t at custombps.com, and I will send them a free copy of the book.
0: That is so generous of you. Thank you so much, Peter. We really appreciate that. And, you know, we're here to support our community and our audience from all over the world who really are in the position of either launching their business or or sitting on the fence of whether or not to do it. Or they've been in business for a long time, but they just need to be re-energized. They need to be reminded that they're on path or maybe it's time to make that pivot. So I appreciate you being so generous to help guide them through their entrepreneurial journey.
1: Cool. Yeah, it's great to do. I mean, I love it. I mean, this is – I didn't know I was born to it, but I know it now, so –
0: Well, we're glad that you were able to now be a part of our store community network. We want to stay in touch with you and hopefully have you back and appreciate, again, all the work that you're doing in changing your community, the community of business ownership at large. And uh, it's very valuable to have someone like you who's so knowledgeable helping um, to really make these dreams turn them into reality. Thank you.
1: Yeah, super fun. Thank you very much. I'd love to come back anytime.
0: Great. Well, thank you, Peter, again. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the SOAR Community Network podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and you can learn more about the SOAR Community Network, our upcoming events, and our annual conference at SOARCommunityNetwork.com. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you very, very soon. Take care, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of SOAR Podcast. Join us by visiting soarcommunitynetwork.com.